Welcome to Adventol. <laughs> We're so excited that you're joining us for this Advent series. We're going to talk each week about a different example of holiness and about how it's impacted our lives. And our hope is not so much that you'll learn more about these people, although hopefully you will, but it's more so that you might pick up something that strikes you that you can take back to prayer in this time of preparation for Christmas. And this first week, we're talking about Mother Teresa. And it's really cool because Rachel has some personal family connections to Mother Teresa. So she shares some stories with us and we all talk about the impact that Mother has had on our lives. And we hope that it's really helpful for you. And we look forward to having you join us next week when we're going to talk about St. John Paul II. God bless. This is a podcast for those who suffer, which is everyone. It's a space where we can speak honestly about what it feels like to be in desolate places without losing hope. Welcome to In the Thicket. Hi, everybody. Happy Advent. Happy Advent. Advent. Happy Advent. Happy Advent. I wore a purple dress just for this. Oh, that's good. I'm wearing a purple pajama top right now. Does that count? Nice. (laughs) I'm not wearing any purple. Well, I mean. I'm wearing white. I was like trying to see if there's anything. I mean, white no. is kind of Christmassy, a little, little I bit do like have, adventy. I do have twinkle lights in my in my room. Oh, that works. On the other side, there are the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're not on right now. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. That's good. Listen, um, your advent is in the heart. There you, you go. So Rachel's got the twinkly lights, and then Nicole. I'm Nicole, so I have the purple pajama shirt, and Aaron's yeah, the one who came prepared with. With you my know, purple dress, purple dress. Yeah. <laughs> which is, can I just say mostly because every time I like, usually I'm cold, I run cold, except for mm, every yeah. time I do music at mass on Sunday nights, I mm. all of a sudden turn into a fiery furnace and I'm like <laughs> so hot. I'm like sweating. I'm like, what is happening? So I've learned never to wear anything cozy to mass ever. Like oh my never wear anything. So this is like a summer dress. Um, and oh, yeah. I will wear it. And in the hopes that I will not have like weird hot flashes while I'm leading. That's crazy. Maybe it's like the Holy spirit, you know, he's just like, that's right. Burn up. me up. Yeah. Inside out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, right. why not? Why not? That's right. I love it. I love it. Um, But yeah. So yeah, guys, welcome to uh, our Advent series uh, in the thicket. Um, So if you're a first time listener, I'm Rachel Mm -hmm. and and you heard Nicole and Aaron. uh, And we are really excited to get into this series um, where we're going to be kind of referencing or talking about a few people that we think that have been very inspiring for us. Um, Aaron, I think you called them like Advent exemplars. Yeah. Um, do you want to explain that? Like what is... Yeah. We... I mean, if we're looking at an exemplar and we're looking at holiness, I mean, holiness is different for every person, right? But there's, but we have such a wealth of people who've been officially declared saints, but also people who just have lived lives of heroic holiness, even from other faith traditions, um, that it's like, especially in a time like Advent where we're like, trying to or are supposed to be trying to live um holiness like really intentionally in a time of like preparation and waiting and like intensifying prayer and things like that then to have the example of like these exemplars of people um is like nice it's nice to sit with them as examples and then also to ask for their intercession as well yeah totally Mm. um 
So we're going to start off this week. Uh, each of us have kind of picked someone um, and our, our secret prayer warrior has also picked someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to do hers at the end, but um, my, we're starting off with my, uh, with the one, my inspiration, I guess, who is mother Teresa. I feel like it's some way, it's some kind of cliche with mother Teresa, like, Oh, mother Teresa, like, cool, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. She's like, she's Mother Teresa and she's sort of ubiquitous as an inspirational person in, in, mm-hmm. in our world, which is awesome, which is, yeah. it's also awesome. Yeah. Which also kind of lose. like, I'm glad that we're doing Mother Teresa because sometimes if there's people like that, that are just not, it's like they lose a little bit of the depth of their coolness yeah. because yeah. then people just think about Mother Teresa and like, oh, it's just about being nice, like serving yes. the heart, like, well... There's a little bit more to her than that, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's so true. That's so true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I I guess to start off, I just wanted to share a little bit about kind of my personal connection, mm-hmm. with why she's sort of inspiring to me. Um, she's really been like a figure in my life, pretty much all my life. I'm, I'm Indian. So, you know, first of all, like a lot of her ministry was done in India. And I was like, she died in, I think in 90... Shoot, I want to say like 95, 97, 97, because it was like around the same time as Princess Diana. And my mom was like annoyed because Mother Teresa got overshadowed by anyway. Princess Diana, that's so true. That is so true. But I remember both of their deaths really well. So I was like a kid, you know, and, um, and yeah, and it just was like, whoa, like it just was kind of crazy. Just, I know, I remember she was hospitalized and like lots of things. And, and so anyways, I, it was just so impactful to me like the figure of her and and the fact that we were kind of alive at the same time. And then she was declared a saint. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I was in, you know, it's, it's kind of insane when we think about it. Like a lot of us have been alive through John Paul II's pontificate mm-hmm. and, and, you know, Mother Teresa's life and like their saints. And it was just a really cool experience for me as a kid. And, uh, and then she, because she's Indian, there's also some actual connections with my family that my family's had uh, connections with her. So I, I was just telling, I was at Friendsgiving last night. I was just telling the story um, where, so we we have family friends who are priests um, in the Redemptorist order and also cousin, a cousin priest in that, in that order, uh, my, my grandmother's cousin. And they gave retreats. They would often give retreats for the missionaries of charity in cool. Calcutta. Um, and so this one priest that we know really well, saw her very often and was, was very good friends with her. So we have all these like cool stories, but also my mom, when she was 14 was with this cousin priest and they were driving to the missionaries of charity to drop him off or something like that. And mother Teresa was there. And so they all got out of the car and mother Teresa like ran down the stairs. My mom tells this story. Like she ran down the stairs and, you know, my grandmother is like, um, you know, mother, will you bless my daughter? And so mm. she blessed my mom and, you know, so my mom's like this, like, you know, third class Mother Teresa relic. That's <laughs> awesome. Which is cool. That's great. Um, yeah. And that. my mom was like, she was really kind of buoyant and, and like, she just had, she was like still, she's quite old at that point, even though, you know, I mean, she wasn't an old woman, but I think she probably would have been in her fifties, like. But right. she was, you know, very energetic and like just joyful. That's how my mom mm. described her, which a lot of people describe her like that. Yeah. Mm. And then another cool, um, which I might have, I don't know if I've told the story on the podcast already, but my grandmother was uh, was in Calcutta and she was driving to the courthouse for something. There was some kind of thing, some family thing that was going on, extended family thing, and she needed to go pick someone up or something like that. So she was like mm. driving to the courthouse. It was a really, really hot day. And she was in this like chauffeured, car for some reason. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she, 
saw these missionaries of charity walking down the street and she was like, oh my gosh, it's so hot. Like, let's see if we can just drop them off forever. Mm. And they opened the door and one of the nuns was Mother Teresa. So, oh, oh my, my gosh, goodness. my grandmother gave Mother Teresa a ride. And <laughs> That's <laughs> like, oh so funny. <laughs> So yeah, there's like all these like beautiful little moments where my family got to, you know, just be in her presence and just mm-hmm. like, and you know, all, all mm-hmm. my family is pretty practical. Well, you know, my grandmother and my, my, my parents at least are really practicing and always have been. And so like, this is always meaningful to them. So it was never wasted. You know, they knew mm-hmm. what was happening when it was happening and yeah. they really appreciated it. Um. So anyway, so that's just really some, a few things. But for me, even in my, in my personal life, it was like, I had sort of my reversion moment when I was in high school. I never really stepped away from the faith, but I had like a crisis of faith where I was like, I don't know if God is real. You know, that Mm -hmm. was sort of my thing. And it was very serious for me. Like, I really don't know because that childlike faith had kind of slipped away. And it was, it was, you know, I was an adolescent and I was like 16 and I was like, I'm praying and I don't really feel like I'm talking to anybody. It just sort of feels like I'm talking to myself, you know? Yeah. And it was, it was a real crisis. So at that time it was about, about a year of like really pray, like trying to understand or just, just working through this crisis. Um, and she was so influential to me at that point, because we have this little book at home, which I think anybody can get. It's called Mother Teresa in her own words. Mm -hmm. And it's just a book of like a collection of quotes from her on different themes. Mm -hmm. And I would just open it and read it like every day, just randomly. And her, her words were like, they were like arrows. That's the best way I can describe Mm -hmm. it. Like every time I read anything, she said, it was like, as a 16 year old, it was like this arrow just kind of like really shot into my heart. And it would like, I would like instantly tear up like every Mm -hmm. single time, every night when I read her. Mm -hmm. And it was at this time where I was like, I don't even know if God is real, you know, but what she said just bypassed that doubt almost. Mm -hmm. Like it was sort Mm -hmm. of like circumvented my brain a little bit. It just went straight to my soul, you know, straight to my heart. And it didn't result in me being like, well, God must be real. That happened later through other experiences. But it sort of kept me open, you know, and yeah. kept that openness, that mystery sort of like was kept inviting me through her words, which was mm. really, really huge for me. Um, and so when I think of her, it's actually like a lot of people, obviously, when you think of her, you think of her service and her, you know, heart for the poor, mm-hmm. which is so beautiful, um, which will, I want to talk about a little bit for this, you know, for Advent. But but for me, it was like her love for Jesus was mm-hmm. so palpable, like even just reading her, you know, it just, it just allowed Mm -hmm. a love for Jesus in my heart to sort of grow, Um, which is also kind of Advent appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, that's really beautiful that you share, you know, that her words spoke to you at a time where you were doubting God, like doubting God's existence, because now we know that Mother Teresa experienced this really profound and kind of unique dark night of the soul, dark night of the spirit for Mm -hmm. years and years and years. Yeah. Um, where she didn't feel or have any kind of emotional or human sense of the reality or presence of God. And yet she continued to, to spend time in adoration every day and to do her work. Right. So obviously, yeah. you know, and the saints talk about sometimes you're, you know, if you're so close to God, it's almost like you can't, you can't see him anymore because you're actually right there with him, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not surprising that then her words that are coming out of this place of a faith that's deeper than, 
than a human, than any kind of human sense mm-hmm. um, could speak to you in that time, right? Yeah. Where she's mm-hmm. not, yeah, yeah. There's, that's something you see, it went beyond your brain, went beyond kind of the normal senses of what you need and went straight to kind of some reality that's deeper, right? Yeah, um, I think that's really beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it's, she's just such a, um, I love Mother Teresa and I use like a lot of stories from her if I'm giving talks or things like that. But one of the things, and it connects to Advent really well, is um, is the incarnationality that she talks about. Like one, because one of the things, um, one of the quotes that I love that she said is, um, "How sad if someone comes to me looking for Jesus and finds only me," yeah. which is like, and it was like through her, she was like one of the first saints or people that I really kind of understood incarnationality in the Catholic faith with like mm-hmm. that it's not just where because it's not she just didn't serve people to be like a nice person and to be totally like not. it yeah. wasn't it had nothing to do with that it was like I will be Jesus hands and feet I will be and and that all of those things came from the Eucharist like for her it was so Eucharistic everything centered in that and like even even things when a reporter was asking her like oh yeah so you're so busy and whatever and on really busy days like I know you spend you know an hour in front of the blessed sacrament in the morning but what happens on really busy days she's like yes it's true I'm so busy normally an hour in front of the blessed sacrament but on very busy days I spend two like which is so crazy to me you know Mm -hmm. so it's really and that exactly like you say Nicole like that that all of those that even in the doubt and the darkness and the suffering that she experienced that would drive her to the Lord even more is such a, and the fruit that that Mm -hmm. bore, you know, Mm -hmm. like just, yeah, just so beautiful. I remember that particular quote about prayer and about sort of the the God's time and our time and our sense of busyness and time really impacted me when I was an undergraduate um, student because you're so busy, you're so busy in college, in undergrad. Yeah. And like, um, and I remember it challenging me because I always, that was my battle where I was like, wow, today, like, I just, I have so much to do. I don't have time to pray. And then, right. and then it always turned out that if I actually did pray, time somehow worked out better, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. this sort of, and so that developed a thing in me where I was like, okay, like my little quote in my head is, I don't know if it's a mother choose a quote or just something that I like learned is that there's always time to pray. Mm. Like there's always time to pray. (laughs) Um, And sometimes you don't have time not to pray, you know? Mm, Exactly. Um, I think that's even a better, yeah. There's, you never don't have, like, yeah, you, it's almost like if you want more time, like that's kind of her logic, right? Like if you need more time, spend more time praying. Yeah. (laughs) Right. It's kind of weird. Like a lot, like there will be time if you pray. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Which is like every kind of contradiction in the faith, you know, like the cross is, foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of god like the paradox of the cross the paradox of how fruit came out of her dark night the paradox of like more time in prayer when she felt nothing you know yeah Yeah. which you know and and you guys are are talking about this sort of this huge which was really kind of when she started the missionaries of church so she had um, for anyone who sort of doesn't know the story, and if you, and if you don't, you know the the book to read is is Come Be My Light. That's that's mm-hmm. that's kind of a book that came out two thousand eight around there, mm-hmm. um, and it and you know it publishes some of her personal writings and letters and things like that um, that kind of reveal her her spiritual 
journey that she was going through. Um, but essentially what I think what we understand is that she had these intense experiences of, of, of like mystical consolations and mystical experiences with God as a Loretto nun before she started the missionaries of charity where God was urging her to begin this order. Mm-hmm. She leaves the Loretto sisters, begins the order and then the consolations stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The light and goes then out. It's like yeah. 50 years or something, like yeah. crazy mm-hmm. amount of time where it was dryness, a lot of dryness in prayer. And like, mm. I mean, I don't know if dryness is the right word for what she experienced, but like, like just this piercing absence sort of mm-hmm. experience of not really hearing God. Um, but you know, she talks about like with a spiritual director who helped her kind of understand this experience as a, a sharing in Christ's abandonment on the cross mm-hmm. was entering and sharing into that. And so a famous word, like famous words from her, um, like her focus is, uh, you know, thinking about the thirst of Christ on the cross. So yeah. that's like a very famous missionary charity sort of image, you know, Christ mm-hmm. on the cross saying, I thirst. And her desire to, to, give him something to drink, like to, to be water for him, to, to quench that thirst. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just reading today in some quotes from her, like, you know, she says to her sisters, like, only if you draw near to Christ, can you know what he thirsts for, or, or can mm-hmm. you know his thirst? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like this intimacy with God that lets you know his desire, his will, his, what he's longing for. Um, and you know, when you're talking about this incarnational stuff, I also, there's like, there's so many videos there's so much you can like see of her. Um, but I remember there's a documentary something I watched a while ago where she was talking to her sisters and she's like, the Eucharist is your spouse, like cleave. And she was using this sort mm-hmm. of like marital language, you know, mm-hmm. marital act. She was like, you must cleave to the Lord. And she, I think she says like a husband and wife, they cleave to another. You must cleave. And she kept using that word. Cause I think she was like, this is like, it's how, this is how real it has to be for us. You know, mm-hmm. if we're going to do what we're doing, if we're called to this life, this is how real it has to be for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, so, and just on this kind of idea, and maybe this is, cause we do, I want to talk about like, how do we connect this to our experience of Advent? Mm-hmm. Like what is mother Teresa mm-hmm. for me anyways? What is she saying? And um, there's sort of two, there's a story I want to say and, and, a, and a quote, well, I'm going to butcher the quote, but I don't have it in front of me. So I'm just going to rephrase. But the story is, uh, I, I can't remember if I heard this from a nun on a podcast or from this priest friend of ours that knew her very well, um, but it's from a close source of hers. And essentially they were, the, the story is about this priest, um, this other priest who came to help with the missionaries of charity and he was exhausted because it's exhausting work. And he was like staying in his little room and outside his room, outside the window, there's a man. And, and, and okay. So, so to give a little context, abject poverty in India is literally everywhere. So like mm-hmm. you, you know, maybe if you're coming from a, from North American country, you go there and you, you're going to be shocked. Mm-hmm. And after about two weeks, you can't be shocked anymore because it's just not possible. Like your body, needs to stabilize and it's just like it just becomes the norm because it is the mm-hmm. norm so that happens to everybody you know it's just very normal experience so this that happened to this priest he had been there long enough that like poverty was sort of like just part of the you know part of his world part of the day and so he's in his room and there's a man outside and he's mo- he's like in pain or something's mm-hmm. going on or he's mentally ill or something 
and he's just moaning and moaning and moaning like all night. And this priest is like, dude, I'm like, I'm trying to sleep. Like it's been such a hard, long day. Like I need to get some sleep so I can get up at like whatever, four in the morning or five in the morning, whenever they get up, you know, or six in the morning. So he's like, just so exhausted and just so annoyed. And like, it's like, God help me. Like I'm just need to sleep. And this man just keeps moaning and moaning all, all night. And then he can't sleep, right? So he's sort of restless and about 4 a.m. I think or 4 30 a.m. he hears this like vehicle pull up or something and these people get out and he hears Mother Teresa's voice and she's Mm -hmm. like addressing this moaning man and what she says to him is like there you are my Jesus there you are and she picks him up and she just puts him in the truck and like this priest was like oh my gosh like it's the Lord has been outside my door like all night and I didn't hear him and I didn't see him. And, you know, and it was like, of course, like we all understand what he was going through. Like, you know, he wasn't about like being scrupulous about his exhaustion. It was about the fact that what is, who, what is it that the missionaries do? Like, what is it that Mother Teresa was doing is she was seeking the Lord in each human. And she says this all the time, right? Like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he's, for Jesus because it is Jesus. And and the Lord says that in scripture. This is so scriptural. But for her, it wasn't an idea. It wasn't a concept. It was a reality. And that's mm-hmm. what this, that's what moved this priest. Like she wasn't being trite or like cute or like pious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It almost just kind of like burst out of her exactly. uh, in a sense. Yeah. And part of it is because of this thirst, right? She had this chasm mm-hmm. in her prayer life. And and it wasn't filled actually by people. Like it still was, she still had the dark night, even when she was encountering these people, but it awakened this thirst in her to love mm-hmm. the Lord so mm-hmm. deeply that mm-hmm. it just like, you know, kind of just burst out of her. So, yeah. um, so that's the story. And the quote that I, that I had read this morning, this morning was about how, you know, she says, basically it's this, it's a bit longer, but at the end of the quote, she says, we must face ourselves with Christ mm-hmm. and we must not be satisfied with a sh- like a, a trite answer or a short answer uh you know a, you might like go deep you know mm-hmm. go deep and face yourself with Christ because mm-hmm. and so those two things to me are connected because it's only Christ who knows who we are and it's only in him giving us who we are that we can then find him you know more in other people mm-hmm. like mm-hmm it's this sort of interplay between the love of Christ that unveils us to ourselves and then lets us, makes us able to see him in, Mm -hmm. you know, in, Mm -hmm. in our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, So to me, as we're approaching Advent, this is sort of what I was thinking about. I was like, the incarnation is really Christ revealing himself to us, you know, in, in, in full, but we need to be prepared to be able to Mm -hmm. see him, Mm -hmm. you know? So, we need to go. We need to go to him. We need to face ourselves um, with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and allow him to sort of direct our advent, show us, you know, how to love, how to serve, you know, mm-hmm. how to do acts of mercy and all of these beautiful things that, that mm-hmm. we're called to do. But before we do, I think we need to just be like, just mm-hmm. be go deep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? That's beautiful. Yeah. I think, uh, I can, I relate to that in the sense of uh, Nathan and I have noticed this pattern that 
like sometimes when we go to adoration, if we do a holy hour together, or even if one of us goes and comes back, we often have kind of intense conversations after, you know? Mm. Um, and there was this thought of like, and you know, may, maybe almost like not arguments, but just like kind of where all of a sudden you're like, oh, all this stuff, you know? Right. Um, and and I, I first I was like, why, what is this? Like, why are we not just like more peaceful and grace after or something, you know? But it's right. like, actually that's the grace because mm. we're both there sitting in front of Jesus and then all of us comes up and then we're able to actually take steps forward and work through that and bring that, that up. It comes to the surface, right? Mm-hmm. So like that facing yourself with Jesus, it doesn't mean that it's going to be fun or easy, but it's freeing yeah. and it's life-giving. And that's where like, realize, oh, this is how we grow, mm-hmm. you know, together and all of these things. Right. So yeah. it's, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> well, and I feel like she, like mother Teresa, the example of her is, is kind of like a, she's like a saint for crossroads for the in mm. in our crossroads, you know, because it's like when we're saying go deep and the advent really is a time to go in, like there is such darkness in our hearts. There is mm-hmm. such darkness in our hearts. Like I find it in my own heart all the time, whether it's like related to sin or woundedness or like whatever it is, like there's such a darkness there and it, it can be so disorienting. Like, I feel like she's also a saint for, for being disoriented in a way, yeah. you know, because she had mm-hmm. no, no inkling from the Lord, like no concrete direction, really, aside from yeah. like, love the poor, like, but he, it wasn't like he was, she wasn't receiving consolations that were directing her everyday life. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so in that experience of being like going into that inner darkness and finding it very disorienting, she is a sure saint to be able to ask for intercession. And mm-hmm. then also for that, cause it is the crossroads, right? It's like, we go in, we encounter this inner darkness in ourselves. And, and there's like one part of us that desires holiness and to stay and to be there with the Lord and to let the Lord do something. And there is a, also a desire in us to flee, like mm-hmm. to totally. just it's flee. Scary. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's scary. scary. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And a lot of times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so she's like, like her to ask for her intercession in those times because she was so steadfast in, yeah. in like, staying in in the darkness and trusting like like for me this has like a a significance for consecrated virginity because Mm -hmm. even in the rite of consecration there's a lamp um I have so I can show it um if you're on YouTube you can see it um but it's an it's an oil lamp that I got from um yeah from Jerusalem. It's beautiful. It's yeah, like so wooden it's, carved round. It's like a clay, it's like a, a clay. clay kind of thing. Yeah. So this is the actual one that I use for my consecration. So there's so the wick cool. from my consecration. It's a replica of what they would have had during the time of Jesus. So in the story mm-hmm. from the virgins with the lamps, right? Like this is the lamp that they the something like that that they would it's tiny. Like it's mm, t- yeah. it's a tiny lamp. Like it's whenever tiny. I thought about that story before, I was like picturing like a massive lamp, like, big like lamp. a kerosene. Yeah. A huge, massive thing, you know? Yeah. I'm like, what kind of stupid person runs out of oil for that? Like, that's got oil for like years. I'm like, oh no, actually, like, Mm. it's like a tiny, you have to keep filling it, you know? Mm. Um, And so like, so I use this for, for my prayer, but I always like, this is for me, the thing that, that is like part of my vocation is I like, I need to keep my lamp lit, you know? And Mm -hmm. it's like, but because it's so tiny, it's such a little flame. It doesn't give off light, but it's amazing even from like one little tiny 
flame, how it can dispel darkness. Totally. Yeah. Right. So it's like the Lord will take the, these little, little flames that we have Mm. and like, and lead us through the darkness and it doesn't Mm -hmm. illuminate everything around us, Mm -hmm. but it's enough to keep going. Just one step at a time. Yeah. 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 Mm, That's beautiful. I, I actually found her the quote and I was like, you know, what? I should just, I just should read. Oh, yeah. This Great. is the thing that I freak out though, because like, you know, a few years ago we found out like not all the quotes that are from saints are actually right, from oh, them. Yeah, so right, I'm like yeah. hoping that Some it is them are from, from the internet. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. <laughs> and not from the internet. But I feel like even if it's not from her, I don't think it, I think it's, it's very, it it's seems like something. It's, yeah, yeah. It's very mother Teresa. <laughs> so this is the quote. It says, if you were to die today, what would others say about you? What was in you that was beautiful? That was Christ-like? that helped others to pray better. Face yourself with Jesus at your side and do not be satisfied with just any answer. Mm. And I love it because she also says, what was in you that was beautiful, that was Christ-like, right? I think beauty, there's also a way in which Advent is such a time of beauty and there's Mm. so much beauty to, to kind of, it's different from, from Lent in that sense, right? Like it's, it's a time of preparation, Mm -hmm. but there's, there's kind of an anticipatory preparation of of something like a birth, a joy. And mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. like, you know, there's the wreaths and the candle and totally. all this kind of stuff. So yeah. I think like facing ourselves, we can, we, there's some beauty that we can kind of drink from in that process also. Yeah. You know? And and who was more beautiful than Mother Teresa? I remember looking at pictures of her when I was a kid, when she, like, when she was really old and her smiling and thinking, wow, she's just really beautiful, you know, this old, yeah. very, very wrinkled kind of shrunken lady, but she radiated, right. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh yeah, that's, mm-hmm. there's, there's something deeper uh, when we allow Christ to, to transform mm-hmm. us like that. Right. Yeah. Totally. All right, you guys. So thank you for, yeah, this is, we're, we're, we're off to a good start with a, a great mm-hmm. first Advent exemplar. And, and next week is a friend of Mother Teresa's, John Paul II. They had a really oh, yeah. lovely friendship. <laughs> and also I want to say for a resource, in case anyone is kind of like interested in sort of going through all of Advent with Mother Teresa, there's a book, I've, I haven't read it, but it looks pretty good. It's called Advent with St. Teresa of Calcutta and it's Daily Meditations for Advent. Mm-hmm. It's by... Heidi Hess Saxton. So nice. um, Advent with St. Teresa of Calcutta. It looks good. I might I might actually get it. Yeah, Sweet. there you go. So yes. we're going to go Godwink time now. Right, Godwink time. So I have the Godwink this week, which is, it's a little bit of a crazy Godwink. Um, I don't even know how to frame it. Anyways, so I when I was younger, I really wanted to have curly hair. Like I really wanted to have curly hair and I had straight, like hair that was so straight you could not use a curling iron on it and have right. it last for more than an hour like crazy right. straight anyways so now that I'm getting older I have and kind of so in my own vocation um there's also like a vocation to um suffering that I have like just for what I've experienced but also just like a, this desire to have people know that um that suffering is tied to love and to redemption all these kind of things right anyway so this is like kind of a theme in my life always with the Lord but then so since I've started swimming and I think getting older with hormone changes and stuff my hair has somehow gotten curly but like <laughs> so if I take it out of here now it doesn't look all that curly because I've brushed it 
out. But when I, when it's That's like wet, world. yeah, yeah, like it's definitely it's like wavy. Yeah, it's a hundred percent wavy, even like this, and that's like brushed out you know yeah anyways so like when I was the other day but every time it gets so frizzy and it's like hard to manage now and I have never had hard to manage hair in my life Mm -hmm. so the Lord is like I'm giving you curly hair but also suffering (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) which totally makes me just like Tackle laugh when I thought about that because because I was like oh of this course fits. you know it like it, yeah it just fits it just fits with you know what what you what you get that's so funny <laughs> in a funny way that's great anyways yeah that's awesome Erin that's good yeah. cool Nicole, were you gonna say something and I cut you off earlier just any last mm-hmm. thoughts from you guys I don't know if I cut anyone no. off I have a habit you guys of talking listeners of talking very quickly sometimes I love it though I move. thanks thanks for asking no yeah. and I'm I have a habit of of listening sometimes, but also talking. I guess that's why we worked well together on this podcast. Anyways, no, I'm good. Thanks, Rachel. All right, cool. Well, there you go, everybody. Thank you for the Godwin, Karen. I love your hair. It's beautiful. Thank you. It is beautiful. Thanks. Thanks. Mm -hmm. It was a thing of beauty. Um, Happy Advent, folks. Happy Advent. Advent. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, we'll see y'all next week. Bye. God bless all. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of In the Thicket. If you like what you hear, give us a rating and hit that subscribe button. We have new episodes every Monday with more stories and honest conversations about life when the going gets rough and the hope and humor amidst it all. We'd love for you to join our community on Instagram and Facebook at In the Thicket Podcast. While you're there, let us know how we can pray for you. God bless and see you next week.